<laughs> What's yeah. up, my brother? How are you? I'm good. Good to see you. Are we filming this too? No. Okay. It's only audio, okay, but I figured cool. we could see each other. All right. I should probably, um, I wonder if I should put on some headphones. That way I can hear you even better. Yeah. Uh, two seconds. How you been? I sent you a little email just to kind of, you know. Part of the Motown family. <laughs> like, yeah. Part of the family now. Who said that, Smokey? Yeah, he always says that to me. So I said, all right. All right. You, Barry, I think you, Barry, and Smokey ought to just, like, share all the profits. I like the way you think. You know? You know? In fact, uh, I mean, you've always been a great businessman, so I got to get some pointers from you, too. You know? I mean, you've been doing it for a while. You were selling the product early. You know, you yeah. always had an entrepreneurial mindset. Any pointers? Any pointers on talking to uh, club owners? Not club owners, but, you know, getting gigs. You've been doing it for a long time. Honestly? Yeah. Trust no one. If you have something that's your property, especially with music. Right. If you have something that you own. Yep. Like your sound, like your yep. signature sound, like yep. your look or whatever. Yeah. Copyright it. Gotcha. If you hire an assistant, sign them to a... Uh, NDA. NDA. I get that. And in, in, as far as you, when you used to go to uh, uh, venues... To let mm -hmm. them know about the band and to hire you. Any pointers in that area? Honestly, that's just a matter of personality. Yeah. Just a matter of having a, you know, a good personality and then doing... The trick is to get them to let you do one. Right. One gig. And gotcha. just have them love you. And then they'll trust you for the next one and then the next one and the next one. Gotcha. That makes total sense. You know, one of the things I wanted to do on this podcast is mm -hmm. to introduce people to just the talent level of people who play at weddings. Let's let's dive in. I can um, start off by giving a little background where I come from and then how I heard about you and we can go from there. Oh, also, Gary's wife uh, used to work for a company named Jenny Douglas. As a matter of fact, she's been singing for Pink the past dozen years, right? Toto, Pink. Mick Jagger, John Cougar, Cher, Oscar no. Brothers, Chaka Khan, Patti LaBelle. She's my hero. Yeah, I have an awesome wife. And Doug Winters. Did I mention that? <laughs> Being the last of four, uh, you know, I make my parents promise all the time that I wasn't an accident. But I have a brother 10 years older than me and one eight years older than me. I had a brother in the Bay Area. And I had a brother in New York. So when I was like 14, the question became, was I going to go to New York or was I going to go to Bay Area? Because I was going out to San Francisco, playing with the musicians out there. I was coming to New York, playing with the musicians out here. Wait, when you so, were 14? Yeah, yeah. Because they're so much older than me. And that's why I was, I learned music so quick. So I was, I decided my personality was more New York. But what happened was, I was in a club one day and I got this scholarship to Florida State. So I went to Florida State for two years and I said, I got to get to New York. Came to New York and I was more- right, Wait, 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 wait. Back uh -huh. this up a second. You're 14 years old. Yeah. You're in school. Yes. But you're cutting out of school to- Well, I, this is, I jumped ahead to when I was like 17. I didn't have a senior year in high school. I had all my credits. So I went to Florida State for two years. And where'd you go to, where'd you go to high school? Wisconsin Lutheran High School, believe it or not, 
in Milwaukee. Can you believe that? Wow. <laughs> How about that? So I went to Florida State, and uh, Marcus Roberts was down there before he got with Winton, Winton Marcellus. And, but I came to New York because I was in the fusion and everything. So like, I started playing. Okay, you know what? We should explain that to y- young people that are getting married. Yes. That don't know that much about jazz. Oh, okay. Or... Well, the thing about jazz, for example, at that time, Doug, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, Wynton Marcellus was a 19-year-old wonder kid. Yep. And he won the Grammy in classical music, and he won the Grammy the same year in jazz. Right. So my roommate was his piano player. And oh, wow. At FSU? Yeah, yeah FSU. Marcus oh, Roberts. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I came to New York. So Billy Cobham at the time when I was coming up was considered by many to be the top drummer in the world. You know, so he took me out of college when I first came to New York and I moved to Switzerland and started working with him because I so left you went to Florida State for two years. Yeah. So I come to New York with 40 bucks. But uh, no, really? Yeah. 40 bucks. And some connections or no? I had a friend from Florida State who had a place. And then I connected with Billy Cobham. And uh, right, now, Billy Cobham, just just explain who Billy Cobham is in history. In history of jazz, Billy Cobham played with Miles Davis. The quick answer is he was considered by most drummers in that time in the 70s to be the top drummer in the world. If I can say, when I did move to New York and I started meeting great musicians like Scott Kreitzer, who, you know, he was 18, 19, and he had all the Sonny Rollins stuff together. But these guys and Billy Cliff, one of the greatest singers, we had just gotten a gig with uh, Cool in the Gang. And, uh, but these guys were already working with Doug Winters, you. Yeah. So I always knew about you. You were playing at the Playboy Club. So you in New York, Doug Winters was always the top level. You always had a reputation. You had the best musicians. You had the best band. You had the best jobs. You had the best product out there. You paid the best. So uh, my friends were working with you way before I was. You were kind of the cream, 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 la de creme. Creme de la creme. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds better when you say it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, your name was, you, you were the top. You were the top band. You had the top musicians. These great New York musicians. So uh, having not grown up in New York, uh, you know, I was kind of coming in late a little bit. When I finally did connect with you, uh, you know, it was just awesome. You were always organized. Sometimes I would sub with you. Now, you were always meticulous. You always had your music written out. Yeah. uh, And everybody could read. And, you know, we enjoy reading. Well, that was my training. That was my Bob James training. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your, Your arranging skills were always, you know, you were known for having your charts. Yeah. It's funny. Billy just called me literally a month ago saying that he was doing... Just a small thing. It, uh-huh. I think it asked for some place. Uh-huh, yeah. And he said he had Barry Danielian and Scott Kreitzer. He says, could you write out some horn charts? I said, those lazy. Are you kidding me? I said, they, they could listen to the song one time and nail it. I showed up for that to see Barry, Scott, and Billy. I yeah. Had, it was like old home week. It was so good to see those guys. Yeah, he sent me a tape of that. We were lucky because we had a lot of corporate work during the week. Yes. But when you weren't with me on Saturday and Sunday, let's say a Thursday or something like that. What did you do all the other days? Like a guy like Heinz would play in a Broadway show or Kreitzer would play in maybe a jazz trio on the side or something. Like how does one earn a live a full-time living? Well, I've always been a songwriter and I've always been a, a, a producer. And nowadays, you know, an engineer as well. 
But uh, I have I had a company. I was part of a company called Sound Guild. Myself, Regan Rizik, Brian Delaney. He's he was playing drums with the New York Dolls. Now he's with Melissa Etheridge and uh, Marco uh, Vitali. He was a violinist and composer, right. and he had his MBA. He's more closer to a person like you. Right. He had his business shops and his musician shops. Right. His, uh, skills. So we had a company, and we were uh, managed by Nile Rogers at the time from Chic. Good oh, time. Oh yeah, sure. So he. Uh, we were doing music for television, film. We were doing a lot of music for Viacom at the time. Why don't you tell everybody who Niles Rogers is? Niles Rogers wrote "Freak Out." Yeah, he was he, he was half of the band Chic. Yeah, he wrote "Good Times." He wrote "Freak Out." He wrote "I'm Coming Out for Diana Ross." He, he's one of these quiet billionaires. Yeah, he's got an incredible smile. He's always smiling. Yeah, yeah well, why wouldn't you? Right? How about that? And um, so he managed us. And um, so we were doing a lot of work, like I said, for Viacom. So, so like if you watch those shows like Nick at Night or TV yeah, and sure. stuff like that, we did all the bumpers and all, like we did music for MTV Cribs when they couldn't get the licensing for the real band. So oh, sometimes we would so have funny. to do like 100 cues for an episode. But uh, so we could write quick, fast. And I learned so much doing that because I learned how to write by, uh, my teacher used to say you have to write by inspiration and by perspiration. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I know you know about that. Oh. So I, I, that really helped me so much because as a songwriter, you know, we're always talking like, oh, I love my songs. These are my babies. But this is like, look, it's two o'clock. We need something. You know? Yeah. I mean, not only that, but we need a, a bumper. All right, so let's explain what a bumper is. We'll be back in 20 seconds. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. ESPN. And yeah, yeah, we did a lot for ESPN. And uh, so right now I have music everywhere. For example, um, now connect us, uh, connected us with uh, Quincy Jones for this project. They needed a funk album. So we did, I think we did about 12 songs and it says Quincy Jones funk. But what it was, it was really the four of us. But by using Quincy Jones's name, he took like 50% of the publishing and we use his name. But now it's <laughs> everywhere. But, you know, we still get what we get. So Niall still owns the company? The company is disbanded right now. Oh, okay. So this is back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. what we were doing. Oh, so you were making some serious coin then. We were doing good. We were doing really good. Yeah. And, you know, you still make money from that because of royalty. Right. And one of the things that I want you to explain to people is that when you play on commercials, uh, oh, when you yeah. sing on a commercial, I mean, yeah. you can sing on a co-commercial and make six figures. Yeah. When Jim Hines was on, he would say that he would literally go to the musician's union to pick up his checks. Oh, yeah. Because he'd be handed literally like, you know, a two-inch pile of checks. Yeah. I got some stories for you. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but Doug, you were you were at the top of the food chain, so you know you were. Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's just the top of the food chain. Come on, you were the cat, man. Yeah, but when stuff gets played on the radio and, and television, yeah, you don't even. That's that's like found money because you you go into a recording session for three four hours. My friend calls it a. She calls it a money in her PJs. That's the name of her publishing company, Money in Her PJs. So like, in other words, uh, she gets up to get her cereal, goes yeah. to the mailbox and there's a check. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Let me cheer myself up. Let me go to the mailbox. Right. How about that? How about that? Go back to Jenny just for a second. Uh-huh. 
uh, what was her first background gig? She came to New York. Uh, her her move to New York was a lot different than mine. In fact, do you remember Georgie, who also used to sing for you, George Morton? Oh yeah, yeah. Georgie was her one of her best friends, and she was living in Ohio at the time. My wife was. Georgie made her come to New York. She says, "You better come to New York. You blow all these girls away." Finally, she came to New York. She started working third day and never stopped. She connected with Melissa Morgan, who had a top 10 hit at the time. Then she went with Keith Sweat. And then she went from Keith Sweat to Mick Jagger. And then she went with Donny Osmond to uh, Toto. And Toto. That's what's so interesting that people would judge. You, like, you know, when you went to Mick Jagger, you'd say, oh, wow, she's oh. got to be amazing. And then yeah. when you say Donny Osmond, it's yeah. like, oh, my God, cornball Vegas crap. Yeah, I learned so much from her about what you just said, what you just said, uh, maintaining a non-prejudicial stance, uh, keeping an open mind. Uh, she's, she's on a whole another level with that. She treats singing at, you know, the Rubenstein wedding with the same respect that she treats you know, singing for Mick Jagger at, you know, Wembley Stadium for 70,000 people. You are so right. You are so right. Yeah. He, there was another guy like that. Remember Cornelius Bumpus? He's yeah, the, oh my God, of course. He's with the Doobie Brothers. He's, he and my wife are cut from the same cloth. The one yeah, minute- Play sax and organ. Yeah. One minute they're in front of 20,000, 50,000. They come home Monday and they're in front of 20 people and they still have the same passion. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's that really, great. that's what that's, it's about. Special. That is special. And if I'm going to be honest, not many of us are really like that. No. The level of respect that they have. We all do it. But like I said, she's, she's one of my heroes for real. She's incredible. So how'd she land with Pink? Pink, uh, she connected with Pink and uh, the artist Pink is just phenomenal. I get to see everything up close, you know. But what's her real name? Uh, Alicia Pink. Moore. Is, Alicia Moore. Yeah, she's. And the, I remember Jenny used to tell me how great Pink was. Oh my! First coming out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the real deal. She's the real deal. You know? What's what size places? What size rooms does she play? Pink. I guess when you have a hit, usually, it's different. I guess. Usually you know. arenas. Usually twenty thousand. Really. Oh yeah, man. Well, actually, Doug, I have to admit it was a surprise to me too at the beginning, like ten, twelve years ago when I first went out. They were in Europe a lot. And I was like, because my wife is so humble, she never tells me anything like that. I said, I didn't know you guys were doing arenas every night. No, I, I think um, like the Beacon Theater, two, three thousand, five thousand, maybe twenty a night. They're doing um, uh, as we speak. They're doing uh, Madison Square Garden is coming um, Wednesday and Thursday, two nights sold out. Get out. That's what they do all over the world. She was top five of tour grosses along with. Um, a few years back, a few years back, it was Madonna, U2, Paul McCartney, ACDC, and Pink. Top five grossing uh, tours in, in, in the world. Everyone in their 70s except Pink. She's only like 38 now. Yeah, she's great. Great set of chops. Oh, you got to see the show. You got to see the show if you can. Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. It's like Cirque du Soleil meets... Uh, oh, that's how she does all that stuff where she's yeah. dangling from the ceiling and stuff. Man, it's no Thinking joke. Upside down. No joke. No joke. So how many singers are there? Uh, Jenny and Stacy are the primary background singers. Uh, Adriana uh, plays keyboards and sings as well. All right, so tell me, about, so tell me about the mindset of playing the bass. 
Uh, I think I think what's so funny, and I we were I was running I was at the show Hamilton the other night, for example, and uh, my friend Richard plays bass for the show Hamilton, and we were talking about bass players in New York, and it's the personality of the people who play the bass are generally supportive. Like all the bass players in New York, we get along. The guitarists don't. The trumpet yeah, players, because yeah, they all want to solo. Right, they're, they, the trumpets don't. No, right, they're very competitive. But the bass players, we got a love fest going on, and I think it's the nature of the instrument to be supportive. And you know what else is interesting about it? You can have three horns or five horns yeah. at a time. You can only have one bass. How about that? You can even have three guitars. You can have yeah. two, three keyboard players. Yeah, well, I'm sure Pink goes with five keyboard players. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's only one bass player. Just one. When we see each other, like I said, it's a love fest. So it's, but the mindset of a bass player. And then I think one thing I learned pretty early while I was working a lot was uh, a sub minor technique on bass. So not to get too complicated here, but you know, you got major chords, minor chords. Mm-hmm. And then I learned to kind of put, depending on what I was playing, but, uh, in the dominant family, I would put the diminished chords, the augmented chords, the altered chords, all in the dominant, the dominant family. So I simplified it to three chords, major, minor, dominant ideas. Then on dominant ideas, I would go down a fourth and play a lot of minor ideas. Where guys like Michael Brecker would play a minor, minor chords, they go up a fourth and play uh, dominant ideas. I did... You know, I learned to do it opposite. Okay, you already have a trivia quiz for you. Name three people that are the lead singers of their bands that were bass players. Sting. For me, Bootsy, because he's one of my favorite. Bootsy Collins. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, Peter Cetera. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And Paul McCartney. Ooh, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I always, I, of course. Come on. Come on. So what you say? Like, like, who are your idols? My inspirations coming up were pretty varied because I had different categories of guys. Of course, there was uh, Stanley Clark, Jocko Pistorius, Marcus Miller type of guys, right? But then there were also, for me, Bootsy and Paul McCartney and uh, uh, the funk guys like Mark Adams. And, you know, I, I just like that. Brothers Johnson? Oh, my God. Lewis Johnson is probably the most... He's not underrated, but my God. It is very hard to judge bass players. Seriously. Sometimes the very best bass players, you don't know them because they're the rock of the band. I mean, like. Right. And it's so funny, Doug, as I mature or whatever, (laughs) I have different levels of respect for guys that I didn't appreciate at this period of time. Like, for example, Ohio players or Kuh and the Gang, those bass players, mm. you know, like now I listen to them totally different than I did before. I'm All right, like, so, so tell me about your Motown connection. I know that's your, that's your, that's. I'm been- with Smokey Robinson every week uh, now. I have been for the last 10 years, not every week, but we're together all the time. I've been, worked very closely with Smokey, who is just phenomenal. He's the nicest person in the world. He, I mean, this guy is 19 years old with the number one pop record in the United States. Oh, Came home and bought his mother a Cadillac or something, you know, his sister a Cadillac. So he's... So what Smokey Robinson is most famous for is being wrote, partner of Barry Gordy. He's vice president, but he also wrote My Girl for the Temptations. How old is Smokey? Gotta mean the 70s, right? 78. 
Oh, wow. And he tours every week? He is like a teenager, Doug. Like Barry Gordy. It's so funny. They open up a Broadway show. Barry Gordy is 11 years older than Smokey. Wow. So he's opening. He, he, yeah. He, uh, he's uh, 80. 89. He launched a Broadway show five, six years ago. I was talking to one of the producers. She said she's on the phone with Barry every night. He doesn't eat any sugar, any salt. He uh, has his own cook. Of course, you know, he's Richard. Yeah, sure. Takes meticulous care of himself. They play tennis all the time. If I showed you a picture of he and I together, you'd be like, you know, he looks like my brother almost. You know, that's one of the best parts of uh, the gig is just, I mean, off the court is, you know, off stage is just awesome. It's funny that you said off the court. Yeah, because I'm a sports fanatic. Gary's been a big basketball fan. He, he introduced my son to basketball. But we went to a, a Nets game years ago, like a preseason game. And sent, my son was so impressed with Gary that he's a lifelong Nets fan to this day. Yes. Living in Brooklyn the, all, yeah. the past two years. And he'd go to Barkley all the time. Yeah. And he'd always say, how's my friend Gary Foote? Yep, yep. Still, still watching every game. So when you said off the court, you well, know, off, so the court. Like off the stage, yeah. off the court, yeah. off Same the thing. stage. You know, I have a saying, Doug. Uh, you know, you're on stage for two hours, you're off stage for 22 hours. Yeah. So I've toured with over 100 guys. So I, and wow. then in, I get to see my wife's fans too. Uh, so I get to see a lot of touring musicians. So I'm a, I'm a bit of an expert on who tours and why. <laughs> in my mind, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I see everybody. But, you know, so you had guys, you were, you were for me, more of a New York institution. So oh, everybody's focus was different. And, uh, you know, I wasn't always the most mature guy in certain ways. I was mature in a lot of ways. But you guys had, a, a like, some of the bass players you were using, like, uh, these guys had a level of... Uh, uh, a different kind of maturity because they, uh, first of all, they grew up in New York. So that's a different thing where you have that's a home. True. You have a home. Like, like for me, <laughs> I, I had to get an apartment and food, you know. I, <laughs> that's why I left my scholarship at Florida State because I didn't want to come to New York too late. And, you know, you got to get a place to stay. And um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was running around a little bit more than uh, certain guys, and um, you know, but I always appreciate what you brought. And finally, when I finally got a chance to work with you, it's like you know, level of musicianship was always high. You treated everybody well, uh, especially the singers. You had a you had a uh, you had a reputation for spoiling your singers. That's why you had the best singers in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's true. You did. You had the best singers in New York. Uh, you spoiled them, uh, and deservedly so. And um, so you always had uh, you you always had the greatest, the best product in New York, and one of the earliest products in New York. You know, consistent products. I think what happened was when Pink came out, so was Britney Spears and all these little girl groups. So she got lumped in with them in a lot of our minds. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah. He. As you see, uh, uh, no, she's, she's totally different than those those girls. Yeah, she's a real musician. Yeah. Um, she's more like a different level of uh, Annie Lennox, you know, where they're respect, 
respected. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? They're you respect them, but Pink has is different because she has pop hits. You know what I mean? You'll have that kind of longevity. We were talking about uh, sponsors. Yes, I just recently was fortunate enough to connect with Harkey uh, Amps, right? Amps, yes, and they make uh, PA systems, amplifiers for bass. So uh, I'm one of their new representatives. So they wow. sent me a bunch of new stuff, shiny stuff. And, uh, nice. We like shiny new toys. Yeah. And now I am, and I'm with DR Strings. And uh, Dave Siegel made my bass, New York Bass Works. And they're oh, bass- my God. From on Long Island, Dave Siegel. Yeah. yeah. He's played with me a couple bunch of times. Yes. He's a phenomenal person. He's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. And he made my bass. The rock and roll or jazz or R&B or funk guys have like violinists will have Stradivariuses. Well, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the quick story is Fender. Here's a quick story. The electric bass was pretty much, uh, it, it became prominent in the 50s. Jamil Nasser was B.B. King's bass player. So Fender comes up to Jamil Nasser in the mid 50s and says, here, try this instrument out. Now, the serial number was 0000005. Wow. <laughs> that bass was given to him. He's playing with B.B. King in the 50s. So it's a relatively young instrument. The, the electric bass. The, the electric bass is a relatively young instrument. I see. Course, oh, yeah, sure. Prot- prototypes before, of course. But the real deal basses didn't come until the 50s. That didn't even, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Right. yeah. So... By the time Where Stradivarius was making oh, <laughs> violins in the 1500s. Absolutely. That's why, like, I'm glad I learned uh, more of a classical guitar, uh, which is the instrument that's been around for. Oh, since the lute. Exactly. Yeah. So those techniques, you run them across the bass, the cello. Uh, I work on the Bach cello technique, uh, Bach cello suites to this day, because it's the best thing for your hands. Oh, so you still like practice? All- yeah, man, I'm, I'm weird that way, yeah. No, that's good. Doug, you are the man. I mean, over all these years, you know, you've had an incredible re- uh, career, and you actually helped establish the whole market in New York. You know, you've been great. You you helped a lot of people uh, like me find homes. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, really, I came from the Midwest, and I needed a place to work, you know, and it's easy to take things for granted. So thank you. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure. What is, is Smokey's Biggest Hits? Tears of a Clown? I think, personally, I think actually the biggest song that he actually ever wrote was My Girl. I got sunshine. I would think that was his number one biggest song. If he, I think he would probably, that'd be safe to say. And he owns the publishing to that, him and Barry. Yes. So he might be a millionaire from that one song. How about that? Many times over, right? How about that? And he's and at seventy eight years old, he's going he, to the gym. Doug, he, yep, he he gets down. He'll do knuckle push ups right in front of you now. That is so great to hear. Yeah, I know. It's it's a blessing to be with him because he's such a legend and he's so down to earth. My 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 uh, one of my wife's coworkers, who actually okay. is one of Pink's musical directors, his name is Paul Murkovich. He's the okay. musical director for The Voice, the TV show The Voice. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, and he says that, you know, all these young entertainers come through and artists, and many of them have this big attitude, right? Sure. So he says Smokey comes on and has hugs for everybody, just 
Oh, man. I wish everybody could see this guy. And that's how I feel. I want all my friends to meet him just to see how cool he is. He's the coolest guy in the neighborhood. Oh, I got to come. When you go to Westboro, you got to let me know. Yeah, mid-August, I think, or maybe late August, maybe late August. Gary Foote, one of the world's great bass players. And one of the world's great bass players played the best-kept secret. You know, you, you, you were a big part of my life. You know, all of our lives, all the musicians in New York work with Doug Winters and Best Kept Secret. And you helped us all pay our, 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 our light bills. You know, it's funny when people say to describe what you do. And as an athlete and as, as a sports fan, both of us, I always said that I feel like I've been the owner of a AAA baseball team. Mm-hmm. So when they leave me, they'll go on the road with Pink, mm-hmm. or they'll go on the road with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and they'll go on the road with Smokey Robinson, or become Chris Bode, or you know Snitzer, or you know any of these guys, Billy Gunn with Cool in the Gang. But I'm so glad to have been part of all these people's lives. Uh, kudos to you. When I say that you helped us all, you were an institution. You truly were because you had the best product in New York for all those years, all these years. And, um, you know, like Andy Snitzer worked with you, right? Uh, you know, I, so he's with, Paul, he's with uh, um, Billy Joel. Yeah. He's with, he's with everybody. Right. Snitzer, Hines. Yeah. You know, Kreitzer, all those guys. Bodie. Yeah. Bodie's the number one selling jazz artist in the world. Yeah. Um, there's a connection with Chris Bodie and um, Bless Wet and Tears, actually. Uh, they had the same manager. Yeah. Oh, Bobby Columbia? Yeah. He was the original drummer with Bless Wet and Tears. Damn. I remember he used to produce those records, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the physicality of the trumpet is one of the things that I respect the most about the uh, music business. Uh, I've, I've toured with, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. We've always had two. Oh, yeah. Players. So I've toured with 20 different trumpet players. And I... Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I knew every trumpet player. In- Not to mention two of the best that with us, with Heinz and, with, uh, with Heinz and Bodie. Yep. And Barry DeNewin. And Barry. Yeah. And the list goes on. But I always respect trumpet players. They, they have to have this certain level of discipline I mean, all instrumentalists need it, but trumpet players, like because of what you just mentioned, the physicality oh, yeah. of the armature of the lips is, is, and that's how I use the Bach cello suites. No kidding. Yeah. I play the uh, cello suites uh, every day since I was a teenager. I mean, there's a reason Bach is still known 300 years later. There's a reason. Gary Foote, thank you so much. You know, call me when you need me. And like I said, we'll be in touch because I have a couple other questions to ask you. So uh, let's Oh, sure. Anytime. Anytime. All right. All right, brother. Love you, man. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk soon. I love you too, man. Thanks for everything. Peace. Okay. Bye-bye.